show number 70 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Show 70. Seven zero. Yep. Catching up to Star Trek. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. We will soon surpass them. <laughs> Unless um, our studio bigwigs come running in and cancel us. That's true. Um, and, you know, I, I would say that we've probably had more good episodes overall <laughs> than Star Trek did. Although the I be- don't think we've hit our Spock's brain or damn hippie episode I, I don't yet. think so. I will say that I think the best of our episodes probably are not as good as the best TOS episodes. Yeah. Because we didn't have William Shatner in them. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Actual live Basically, all we have is you and me and the internet. Yeah, yeah. Which basically means you and me and everyone in the whole world does not add up to as good as William Shatner. No. That, truer words were never spoken. <laughs> All right, so this is this show is going to be all about stuff we're watching because um, there's so much of it. So for, let's talk about the first thing first, or uh, let's talk about the last thing first. Okay, more accurately because it's the last one is the Boston legal finale. Yes, the finale which, of season three, and they have been renewed, so they'll be yes, back in the fall. So we know that. So um, as they said in the commercials, it's the season finale shocker, and then I had written down on the note paper next to it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because um, it wasn't a shocker. The, the commercial said two best friends will go head to head, and only one will survive. And that's not how it turned <laughs> out. So it wasn't that, and it wasn't a shocker either. Yeah. So neither of those things were true. Oh, I'm gonna look this up while we're talking. Oh, okay. But um, anyway, the the deal was there were these two boys, teenage boys, um, who were accused of shooting their father. They were the only suspects. They were on trial. And they had Alan and Denny representing them. And on the personal side, it looked um, very much as if there was no no way that these boys would be found not guilty, which meant Denny would no longer be undefeated. And, you know, it would destroy his legacy. And uh, so they had, they had that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to mention, during the course of the episode twice, Denny mentions uh, he has his own website now, which is uh, DennyCraneLaw.com. And if you go to DennyCraneLaw.com, it actually redirects to the Boston Legal site. Okay, very ABC. good. But very that, good. That was now, he also said he's got something going on MySpace. Oh, yeah. you know, you got to check that I, out, I'll, too. Let me go over there, because we were just talking about the, the Priceline negotiator thing that he's got going. So let me right. check that okay, out. Right, okay, check that out. Um, but anyway, in in the meantime... Um, the boy's mother it, it does some stupid stuff to try to Im- ensure that, that they are found not guilty, and that screws up the whole case. And so they end up putting the two boys on trial, and each of the boys accuses the other mm-hmm. of being the killer. And then we come to find that uh, this was Denny's idea. This was how they were going to win the case. And, and so he and Alan basically told the boys, this is what each of you should say on the stand. And they ended up being found not guilty. So, what does it say? So, if you there is someone named Denny Crane, and the um, MySpace address is I am Denny Crane. Oh, sorry, I'm Denny Crane. I am mm-hmm. Denny Crane, and it's got one of those really bad backgrounds where it's impossible to read this. Um, and uh, <laughs> it says, "Who I'd like to meet, William Shatner." <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Um, I'm not sure if this is really done by the people at uh, ABC or not, or whether this is just some person mm-hmm. who's posing as Denny Crane. But uh, 
there's just a bunch of people with their pictures, oh, women with big tits here. So I'm assuming it's not the person at ABC who's doing it because I don't think they would be putting that up in their friend space. Well, we don't know. We don't know. And commercials for ringtones and stuff. Hmm. So, anyhow. That is a really bad background. Yeah, that's terrible. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, I wanted to do mention just another thing about the casting. The woman who played the judge in this episode yes. is a regular, pretty much, on Law & Order. Oh, okay. She looked very familiar. Yeah. I, I couldn't figure out where, and so I don't watch Law & Order. So. That was another little... Another little inside joke there. Okay. Um, so here are some of the highlights. Uh, there was a scene where, well, the the theme that runs through this is that nobody is really sure if Denny is going to do an adequate job of defending his client. The judge isn't sure of it. Um, Alan takes Denny's side pretty strongly, but you can tell he's not quite sure that, that Denny's going to do a good job. And it's just unclear that he's up to the task. But he eventually does prove that he is up to the task, and he does a great job. Yes, Which he is does. awesome. So while they're talking about this as the trial is going on, Denny confesses to Alan that uh, he talked to Shirley about how he's been acting lately. And we talked about this in our previous mm-hmm. recap, that he says um, he does these things to get attention because he just doesn't want to have his life over. And Alan immediately gets very jealous of this that Denny has been sharing his feelings with everyone else. And he says, so you're running around sharing your feelings with everyone? And Denny says, she came into my office. (laughs) And I was hoping if I was vulnerable, she'd have sex with me. And I don't have that agenda with you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it was interesting to see it in the reverse, that Alan was feeling very, very jealous instantly that Denny was sharing his his personal feelings with someone else. So that was kind of good. Um... There was a great scene when uh, Denny finally steps up and says, asks a really good question during cross-examination, and everybody is very impressed, and everybody looks at him and is like, oh, Denny Crane, Denny Crane. And uh, as he's coming through the corridor, he's just uh, kind of beaming with happiness, and when he gets into the elevator with Alan, they're congratulating each other. We both felt like that was really a Bill moment and not a Denny Crane moment, because it seemed like he was just being Bill. And he says to Alan, a great cross is like sex. Yes. <laughs> so it was, and my, I was convinced that Bill actually just ad-libbed that line or wrote it himself or something. I think he ad-libbed I, it. I think too. I think and then he said something else about, um, as Danny Crane, about um, his website about being um, captain of his own spaceship. And yes, I, he, he said, I captained it. my own spaceship. <laughs> so here's the thing about this episode, though, that I think was a mistake. Okay. So the way it goes is... They have this case. We see them both being uh, convinced that they're not going to win because the circumstantial evidence against the two boys is very, very strong. They are desperate to come up with a way to win this case, and we don't know what that is going to be. They're in court, and when Denny is talking with the boy he's supposed to be defending, that brother accuses the other one of committing the murder. And Alan is very upset, and they argue in front of the judge, and blah, 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 blah. So... They're leaving the courtroom, they go into the witness room, and you assume, of course, that they're going to be yelling at each other, and Mm -hmm. and Alan's going to be saying, Daddy, how could you do that? And then, at that moment, it's revealed that it was a plot that they had cooked up together. Yes. I think it was a mistake for them to reveal that at that point in the episode. You're right. You're absolutely right. It totally... They totally diffused the tension. It diffused any tension whatsoever. After that point, I kind of didn't care what was going to happen. They should have saved that for much, much later, and I don't know why they put it in there, but for me, it totally spoiled the pacing. Well, and the other thing is, when the boys are found not guilty, mm-hmm. you know, 
Alan and Denny are so happy and they hug each other. And I think that's a real mistake to do in front of the judge. Oh, yeah. And so they should have played that out all the way until they were alone. And then they, and, and then it was perfect. The way it was written was Alan saying, you know, you won this one. You came up with that idea. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a perfect reveal there. Yes. So it almost felt like maybe that was the way it had originally been written. And then somebody insisted that they put this scene in the middle where it's, the plot is revealed mm-hmm. to the audience. Like, Yeah, that was a bad idea. Maybe. I mean, Alan basically says at the end, does it bother you that we just suborned perjury? And Denny says, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe somebody felt like, well, we have to let the audience in earlier to know yeah. the plot. So, yeah. I don't know. But I thought that that was bad very bad that they did that it was and then um at the end they did the thing that they had done last season which was to get very meta and saying you know here's to another season and ellen says i can't wait to see what we do next yeah <laughs> which was good you know one of the things and i don't know how to find this out maybe you do um the actor who played one of the boys uh-huh. looked so much like john oliver Who's john who is oliver? the um the british reporter on the daily show and had the same mannerisms and huh. the same way of standing that I wanted. I was thinking, this has to be his son. So I went to IMDb and looked up Boston Legal. And, I, you know, it's no help because I don't know the actor's name that I'm looking for. Oh, did you look it up on bostonlegal.org? Yeah, and they don't see... If they, if they list those things, I couldn't find it. Oh, okay. I'll try again. All right. Well, while you're looking, here's another thing that we can talk about. Okay. Um, so I was talking about Boston Legal with David Arroyo. Oh, okay. And uh, we were talking about how great it was and all that. And he brought up a really good point that I don't think we've talked about. We've seen almost everybody in that law firm try a case. Mm-hmm. Who haven't we seen try a case of the regular actors? We've never seen Paul. We've seen him sit in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be really cool to see him try a case. I mean, he's a lawyer still. He's supposed to be trying cases. There's no reason for him not to be going to court. And, you know, I I think Renee's a good actor, and they had him have that little subplot, the melodramatic thing with his daughter being addicted to drugs and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But we've never seen him actually do law. No. And I think that would be really cool to, to, like, give him a case. I mean, he doesn't have to try it by himself, but if he did it with Shirley, I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. So I was going to, I mean, can you see any reason why they haven't given him a case to try? They've never said well, anything about Well, it that. seems that he is um, in more of an administrative position mm-hmm. than, a, than an active, like, trial lawyer. Oh, here's, here's a list of guest stars, sorry. Josh, Josh Zuckerman is Michael Scanlon. Dan Bird as Edward Scanlon. I think, was Michael the older one? Yes. Okay, Michael's the one I'm thinking of. So, um, I don't know. Maybe he's not related, but boy, he looks like him and, and moves like him. Oh, well, it's his legitimate son. Oh, okay. Thanks for clearing yeah, that up for definitely. me. definitely. Okay. So anyway, I, I would like to see Paul trying a case next mm-hmm. year. I think that would be good. I would like to see uh, Paul's role enhanced. Yeah, I think they should. And they could get rid of Claire. They could get rid of Claire. They could have more screen time for Paul. They can get rid of Clarence, too, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, I would like to see more more screen time for uh, Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have we ever seen Brad try a case? Yeah. Yeah, we have. Oh, okay. Yeah. couple. Uh, Not very many, though. I think it'd be interesting for, like, him and, uh, him and Denny to be paired. 
That would be and cool. him becoming, you know, very frustrating and having to go to Alan for advice on how do you handle Denny. That would be good. That would be a good thought. Well, you know, that is the opportunity that they have on this show is to really mix it up a little bit and yeah. have people that you haven't seen before um, mm-hmm. doing cases together because it would really, you know, test their limits. But it would also be very fun for the writers because they yeah. can get into it. I mean, yeah. Well, and, you know, as we said a couple shows ago that I think ever since they did The Son of the Defender, mm-hmm. um, the show has has fallen into a rut, mm-hmm. you know, become very, very predictable yeah. in uh, in what it's doing with the characters and with the cases and stuff. And I think they do need to shake things up. And I don't mean add more new cast members. No, no, work with what you have. Yeah, they, they've they got have... some good people there who are being underused. Imagine if they had a case with, uh, if they had Shirley try a case with Jerry Espenson. Yeah. That would be interesting. That would be. You know, on this, the subplot on this one, which we haven't even talked about, is that Jerry and Clarence, who were enemies as of the last episode, had to try a case together. Right. And they didn't actually get to court, but they, they did the whole negotiating thing. And that was kind of obvious. Because they had established it so strongly in the last one that right. they were, you know, they didn't like each other. And, of course, they have to be the ones that have to work together in of this course, one. Of course, of course. So I think that they, they, that was just too obvious. But, yeah, I think that they should do more interesting pairings like that mm-hmm. to see what it brings out in the characters and how they either learn to work together or don't, which would be very yeah. interesting, you know, all by itself. Now, I wanted to ask you one thing that struck me um, in this Early on in the episode, when the the mother is is pleading with Denny and Alan, saying you have to do something, you mm-hmm. have to, you know, they have to be they're innocent, and you have to make that happen. And uh, she says to Alan, "That's why I hired you. You're the best." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, it was directed so specifically to Alan that I don't think she was referring to Crane Pool and Schmidt as a firm. Mm-hmm. And just you know, three years ago. Alan was the pariah who, you know, had embezzled from his mm-hmm. his own firm. So has his reputation grown to that extent? I don't know. In in the, in this time? I don't know. You know, I, I actually didn't interpret that as being directed at Alan. Mm. I was really thinking it was more about Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. Oh, okay. Um, and, and then she does follow it up by looking at Denny and going, You're Denny Crane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I think either of those interpretations is, is correct. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what they intended with that. Okay. But you're right, though, about him. Yeah, he, he not that long ago, he was the guy nobody wanted to deal with. Right, right. So, I don't know, maybe some of that Denny Crane magic has rubbed off on him. <gasps> Ooh. Well, maybe so. <laughs> so now there's no Boston Legal this summer. No. Nope. But we do have... Fast cars and superstars. <laughs> Waiting for Bill to show up on that. And uh, oh, well, give us a chance to catch up on some of the other stuff. I know we're, we're definitely going to do uh, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. And um, oh, uh, Jamie Dunst. Yes. Has um, suggested that we might want to watch it, um, James Spader's sci-fi oh, adventure, yeah. which was. Um, uh, Stargate. Right? Stargate, thank yeah. you. And I I remember seeing that movie when it mm-hmm. first came out and liking it. So mm-hmm. that might be something else we might want to check into. We could watch Stargate. I'd be yeah. up for that. That would be good. Okay. So let's see. Now we're going to take a little break, and we're going to go watch um, Bill being interviewed by Henry Rollins. His friend. His friend, Henry Rollins. Did they talk about the Super Bowl? I don't know. I haven't watched <gasps> oh, it. Oh, you haven't watched it. Okay, great. Well, then it'll be fresh for both of us. Yes. So um, let's let's just take our break, and, and we'll be back, and we'll tell you what um, Bill and Henry have to say. Okay. Space. The final frontier. Mm-hmm. 
These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. We want to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You found the best podcast in the universe. Bill and his good friend Henry Rollins. Henry! Henry! Henry has Henry Rollins has a show on IFC, the Henry Rollins show where <laughs> at the aptly named Henry Rollins. Yes. Show. Um where he gets people to come on and, and he asks them questions and they answer them. Mm-hmm. And he was finally able to get Bill. A, and a dream fulfilled for him. Yeah. Sure. Um, so we watched the interview that was actually broadcast this past Friday on um, the independent film channel IFC. That's where you can get it. And then over on Shatner Vision, there were three separate little video interviews with Henry about having Bill on the show and what that was about. And one of them he said that they had been trying to get Bill as a guest on the show since the show started three years ago. And it's just been hard because Bill is a very busy man. Mm-hmm. And this was the first chance he'd actually had in his schedule to be on the show. So, of course, we know Bill's a very busy man. Yes, because he's everywhere. He's everywhere all the time, doing everything all the time. But uh, this was this was kind of interesting. I, I have to say, though, I'm not that impressed with Rollins' interviewing technique. <laughs> yeah, he's a little stiff. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so he kind of jumped from topic to topic, but I did like that he focused a lot on Bill's early career mm-hmm. and Bill's perspective yeah. on things. And that, w- that was very interesting, especially when he was talking about what a, an incredible movie Intruder was yeah. and... and and Bill talking about that whole experience of making yeah. the movie. I, I like Bill's answer. Henry said to him, do you feel like your your early pre-Star Trek work has been overlooked? And Bill said, not by me. Really? <laughs> and not by us. Not by us either. We're no. certainly dedicated to uh, definitely to yeah. seeing as much of it as we possibly can. Yeah, so it was good to hear about Intruder. I think um, we'd heard similar stories that mm-hmm. he's told about it before. Um, but it was great to see somebody you know bringing it up as a really... Um, a, a serious American film that mm-hmm. had been made at that time, and it certainly um, didn't get that recognition then, but I think it is starting to get that kind of recognition now. Especially since they went back to the title of Intruder and not, I hate your guts! Yes, exactly. Which was not a good idea. No. So that was that was a fun thing, and then um, to hear Bill talk about his uh, changing motivation mm-hmm. for being an actor was very good, and also, you know, it's funny when he starts talking about that... Um, you know, I live in the moment stuff. That mm-hmm. that's when the Denny Crane crossover starts to be yes, <laughs> yes. a little much. Yeah. I'm totally focused on now. <laughs> yes. It's true. I mean, it was another thing that was interesting about this interview is uh Rollins didn't ask him at all about any of the stuff he's doing now. No. I no. think has been was like the most recent thing mm-hmm. that came up. Yeah. And I wanna ask you something. Maybe I'm just spacing, but I've heard Henry now twice tell the story on Shatner Vision and then on that, mm-hmm. uh, that wonderful recording somebody else sent mm-hmm. us 
about Bill saying, this song needs a guitar. Yeah. And they get Adrian Blue. Is there a guitar in that? All I hear is the drum. I think there's some guitar in there. I'm going to have to listen more carefully. Yeah, I think there's some guitar in there. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, that was just sort of my digression. Can I just say one thing about Adrian Ballou? Mm -hmm. Um, Even though he was great in King Crimson, I really like his solo stuff better. And there's one really good song he has called Big Electric Cat, Mm -hmm. which basically has like three lyrics and one of them is Big Electric Cat. And it's just, it's it's such a goofy, fun song and it has this really ripping sort of punky guitar. I'm going to try and find the electronic copy and maybe I'll put it on the end of this show because I think people should hear that song. Okay. Because it's really, really, really good. I have mm-hmm. the album and I'm now I'm just like, I don't know, we have to go look it up on the internet somewhere. But anyway, it's a really good song. Now, you know what I'd be interested to know? Henry's saying, you know, Bill's had me over to the house. I've been mm-hmm. to his house. Has Bill ever been to Henry's house? I don't think Henry has a house. Or or his living space. <laughs> Not necessarily his house. Because he was saying he's such a, a hermit. Maybe he doesn't yeah. have anybody ever over. Well, you know, I remember reading an interview with him, or maybe it was just something he had written about what what he likes. So it seems like half the year he's out doing tours and stuff because mm-hmm. he does music, but he also does readings. Mm-hmm. And he's been going, he was going to Iraq a lot. Right, yes. So he was home a lot, not very much. But he said when he's home, I don't think he has a house. I think he has like an apartment that he just has basic stuff in. And he just doesn't see people. He just stays in his apartment and he reads the internet and he writes and he mm-hmm. does stuff and he doesn't go out and he doesn't have friends come over. He doesn't do anything. He just really lives, as he was saying, mm-hmm. like a hermit. And I think for him to go to Bill's house is actually a pretty big deal yeah. for him to like do something uh-huh. Not when he's not on tour. Hmm. So. I, you can just imagine though, Henry Rollins and, you know, the group of Bill's sort of Hollywoodish friends and <laughs> hanging out with Ben Stiller. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting, too, what Henry was asking Bill, you know, how did we become friends or whatever, and that Bill was saying it's a, it's a conscious effort because yeah. in that business it's very difficult to make friends, and so when he meets someone that he feels he does connect with and who he finds interesting, mm-hmm. he makes a point of cultivating that friendship. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that is interesting. And, and one wonders whether these parties that he has, you know, the Monday Night Football and that it's sort of like Bill's idea of a salon, you know. <laughs> Probably. With all these people coming over and to eating, watch football, to watch and, football eat and eat Chinese food and drink beer and stuff. So I kind of like that idea. Yeah. You know, the Shatner Salon. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. I wish we would be invited. Oh. That would be great. It would be. be really great. It would be. We'd, be. we'd be good. We'd be good additions. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have good conversations and stuff and yeah. be entertaining with people. Yeah. I think if we were invited... And we could talk about a variety of things. Oh, yeah. Both of us could. Um, you know, and, and we, wouldn't, we wouldn't sit there like tongue-tied fans. Well. Except when Bill came around. <laughs> and then it'd be like, oh, Mr. Shatner! <laughs> and I was going to say, well, we would until we got a couple drinks in us, but then I think we would actually be worse. <laughs> Bill, show us your Emmys again. <laughs> Bill, can we look at your butt? <laughs> I also um, enjoyed when Henry had asked him how his perspective on his career or his approach has, has changed over the years. And towards the end of this rambling answer, Bill said, but, you know, now the the focus is, you know, to, to just do good work. Of course, that's always been the focus. And I thought, yeah, and that shows because we've seen him in these 
you know, these dreadful things, you know, impulse and that, that horrible, horrible um, outer limits, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the lighter one with the, the sideburns and, <laughs> you know, and Kingdom of the Spiders and things like that. And just dreadful scripts, dreadful production values. But you can always tell Bill is giving it his all, you know. He's, always. He's there to, to do his job and do his job mm-hmm. to the absolute best of his abilities. Mm-hmm. And I think he is an, a person who... This is part of, you know, why he goes and, and does uh, paramotoring and does fast cars and, and does this and does that because he is totally focused on what he's doing. He's mm-hmm. going to give it his all. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's going to be with the horses, then that's it. He's with the horses. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Well, they, they said that. That was one of the subtitles for that segment when they were talking about making the song was, you know, Rollins talks about Bill's intensity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because if anything, Bill is intense. So is Henry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a different way, though. Right, a right. Sort of a more inwardly focused way, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bill is more, much more outwardly focused. Yes. Boy, it would be great to, to see a really long interview with Bill. I, you know, I could, I could listen to him talk for an hour if the right interviewer was asking him the right questions and got him to do the sorts of answers he was doing on The Rollins Show, mm-hmm. where they're more thoughtful and not the stories that we've heard before. Right, that, right. That would be really very And, and good. not out to promote anything or yeah. shill or, you know, the whole thing. Just just there to talk. Yeah. I wonder if his his book, will, uh, his autobiography will be like that. I was going to say, wouldn't it be just fantastic to get, like, the unedited tapes? Oh, that would be great. Well, one gets the impression that the interview that he did with Henry was a lot longer and they had to cut it down mm-hmm. to that. I would it's l- only about a half an hour. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that there was a lot more that they covered. So, Don't you think Bill's book could be just like um, Gary Lockwood's book? In that, uh, I don't give could, a shit you, who knows you could just transcribe everything he said and, and you know, lay it out yeah. and say, ta-da, it's a book. I'm sure. It probably will be a lot like that. <laughs> I hope. I, <laughs> I definitely hope. And then I did her, and then I did her, and then I did her. Speaking of Lockwood, yeah, did you get that email I sent you? Oh yeah, I saw that. I was stunned. Yeah, well, we should tell people what the okay, hell we're talking um, about. Okay, well, we were talking about um, Shack Fest coming mm-hmm. up in November. Mm-hmm. We want to keep Don't reminding forget. people they're going to show uh, Incubus, Incubus, and uh, Shack or Thrillville, mm-hmm. which is the quote-unquote organization that, that has Shapfest, now has a Wikipedia entry. And so I went there to read it, and it was listing some of the people who've come to appear at various Thrillville um, uh, presentations, and one of them was Gary Lockwood. <laughs> and we have just got to, to find out what Will's experience was with him, because, you know, we've each had our own encounters yes. with the, the weirdness that is Gary Lockwood. Well, I think when, when we do this, we'll, we will have to... Um Go to well. We'll have to take the computer with us, and we'll have to sit down and have a little time with Will um, to talk about various things that we've done, and hopefully we can can do that. So I'm just going on here. You know, I didn't, I hadn't looked at it, but wow, damned if they don't have a whole thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I will put up a link to this. It's pretty good. Yeah, it says. Um, in addition to the main film, the event features special guests like us, like us. We're not listed, and a live stage show, typically a musical or burlesque act. Thrillville's guests over the years have included cult movie icon Ray Dennis Steckler, women from Russ Meyer Films, creature feature host Bob Wilkins and John Stanley, Yvonne Batgirl Craig, and Gary Lockwood from 2001, A Space Odyssey. <sighs> uh, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking instead of just, you know, like showing up and, and being us, I mean, that's what we should do. <laughs> but 
we should we should start to like brand ourselves as William Shatner's butt girls. And okay, you know, so we get listed in things, and and we become. Uh, drawing cards, you know, and you know who's going to be there? William Shatner's Buck Girls. Oh, let's go! Let's totally go. I'm, I'm totally up for that. Did you know that that Will the Thrill of Haro wrote a book? Yes, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I'm looking it up on Amazon right well, now. You see through Wikipedia. It's called Love Stories Are Too Violent for Me. <laughs> I think you should read that because you hate love stories. Book description: Meet Vic Valentine, a San Francisco private eye whose romance is on the rocks with a twist. An abusive, alcoholic baseball player has hired him to find his missing wife. Trouble is, it turns out she's also Vic's long-lost lover. Coincidence? Fate? A setup? Join a hopeless romantic on his quest for the answer in this twisted tale of old-fashioned romance gone awry in a shadowy, postmodern world of lovelorn losers, vengeful vice, dangerous deceit, and swinging Sinatra songs. Oh, oh, I have to get that. That sounds like a great book. Really? We should buy it. Look, we can get a used copy for (laughs) $1.95. I want one. Will might give us a copy. That's true. He probably has a box of them in his garage. No, in his car trunk. You sell them out of your car trunk. Really? That sounds great. I want to read this book. I like the part about swinging Sinatra tunes. Definitely. I'd love to read that. Okay, well, we're going to get this book and read it and review it. Okay. For sure. All right. I was wondering, you know, if we could um, add to the... Uh, external links on Wikipedia and link to the podcast that we did. That was the special Shatfest episode. Oh! We should do that. Yeah! If I can figure out how to make that happen. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, because the other links are all um, to the Thrillville site, to his book, to uh, some other stuff. So, yeah, I think... uh, Well, I think the point of Wikipedia is anybody can contribute. Yeah, so so I think I'll I'll do that. Why not have a contribution from the Buck Girls? I will. Oh, would it go under press or external links? Maybe press. Okay. Yeah, let's put it under press. Okay. Okay. Yay. Yay. So we kind of got off the topic of Bill and Henry Rollins, but that's our style. That's, that's just the way we that's roll. That's the way we roll. It, it went, <laughs> and it rolled all the way back, and now we're back at Henry Rollins again. <laughs> so I think um, we're going to take another little break, unless there's some other stuff you want to do right now. Uh, no, not right this minute. Okay. Um, then we're going to do um, some episode watching. I and, think so. And then we have a story to read. <gasps> oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's take a break. Okay. And, and then we'll come back. Okay. And there was a whirl. She was there. She had fingers. Her technique was different fingers. Captain, it's uh, Safi Command on finger three. <laughs> it's the Klingons on finger two, Captain. It's your mom on finger four. <laughs> and there was Spock. Uh, there was no Kirk. Captain Kirk in the big swivel chair. He'd get bored occasionally and press a button and go. Captain's log supplemental. Uh, ba-dooby-dooby-doo, that's all. <laughs> he signed a lot of clipboards all day. Thank you very much, clipboard. To Cliff from Captain Kirk. Well done. All right, so we're going to do a little experiment. We haven't done this before, but we're going to try to do it now. Um, we're set up to watch TV. We're going to watch an episode of Remastered Track. Yay! And it's our favorite episode. Is it? <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought it was an entirely different one. Um, so what we're going to do is um, just talk at the commercial breaks. Right. And we'll just pause the recording, and then we'll tell you what's going on with it. And, and we'll do color commentary. Color commentary, so you get to hear the highlights of, of each one. So this is what we're doing on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock. Yay! <laughs> All right, so I'm going to pause it, and then we'll come back after the teaser, and, and we'll, we'll say... Or whenever the commercial whenever break Whenever the commercial show. is, and then we'll say which one it is. Okay. Okie doke. 
So, so we've just watched the teaser of the remastered Fox Brain. Brain. <laughs> and, you know, it's a testament to how little we've watched this in the last, what, 20 years, that neither of us knew that this was actually that episode when it came on. We're both like, is this how it starts? <laughs> <laughs> I knew the blowjob was coming up, right. though. But um, as far as remastering, they gave the alien a, a nifty new ship. Mm-hmm. That was very cool. And you know how Spock falls down mm-hmm. and... um. His head is resting on the, the railing. I would have just snapped his head right off his neck. And broken his face. Totally. So the things to notice are that um, when Kirk falls, he falls butt up oh. on his chair. And you can see this amazing butt cleavage. There's a key light right on his butt. Yep. It's so funny. They must have done that on purpose. Yeah, they had it's a to. Butt light. And then there was another scene when they're showing people all over the bridge who were falling. And we had seen this before, but the funniest thing is in Sick Bay. <laughs> when everybody falls and, and Chapel's walking through the tray, and she like throws the tray up in the air and spins around and bounces <laughs> off the bio bed and then falls on the ground like just a dead weight. Like, yeah. Boom. Yep. <laughs> yep. Most inelegant thing you've ever seen. So um, in the scene coming up, Yes. When everybody recovers is when we get to see the blowjob yes. on the bridge, yes. which there is on YouTube, and maybe I'll put in a link to that okay. so people can see it again. Okay. Yeah. So now we'll have to find out what happens, because I really don't remember what happens next. Oh, boy. Well, well I, I won't, I I won't spoil happens, it for you. Yeah, I won't okay. spoil it for you. All right. So we're back to the show. So how many times did they say Spock's brain in that wow, segment? like 10 we should have been keeping track. Yeah. I think this has to be the episode where they said the title the most times. <laughs> so it wins the award for that, whatever it is. <laughs> so say what you said about his toupee. It's not only a bad toupee, it's dirty. Uh-huh. It, it looks like it had um, Pam sprayed in it right in the front <laughs> as a styling agent. Yep. yep. Pretty bad. So um, they discovered Spock's brain is gone mm-hmm. and has been replaced by a, a very chic gold turban. It's a very nice head. turban. It looked like something he maybe got from Prince's house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they have followed the other ship's ion trail mm-hmm. and taken a, Somewhere. a guess mm-hmm. as to which planet Spock's brain is mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to go find They're going to go there. And Kirk had a big <laughs> argument with McCoy over what they should do and where they should go and how they're going to find it and how long can he keep Spock's body alive and all the rest of it. Right. And so. uh, and for some reason they have to take Spock with them when they go down there. And he also was really snippy with Chekhov. Very. So that was good. Like Chekhov's going to know which planet it is by telepathy or something. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think if there were any um, newish effects, just the ship shot, Yeah, there's some interesting ship shots that they've been Mm -hmm. showing. Maybe they'll get to that when they're down on the planet a little bit more. I don't know. Oh, is this it? No, No. not yet. (laughs) It's a commercial. But I've got got my eye on it. Got your eye on it. I'll be ready to bring the sound up. Do you think they're going to find Spock's brain? I'm pretty sure they do. You think so? Yeah. Mm, Okay. This was... um, I think, like, the second episode of season three. Shatner looks pretty trim. Yeah. We were commenting on his great butt. Mm-hmm. And also you said his shoulders, and I agree. His oh, shoulders look yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just can't believe that the actors were able to do a lot of this dialogue with a straight face because it's so bad. Mm-hmm. It really is. Where are you going, Jim? I'm going to find Spock's brain. brain. <laughs> but where? Where could Spock's brain <laughs> be? We just have to go and find Spock's brain. <laughs> say it again. We should start like keeping a game. Track. Yeah. See how many times. How many you times can, can you work the phrase "Spock's brain" into this this episode? <laughs> All right, let's start counting. Right I truly believe that the the story about this episode was written as a joke. 
Yeah. And that for some reason they produced it. I think so. Like whoever chose the scripts wasn't in on the joke. It's very bad. All right. We'll we'll pause this and we'll come back at the next commercial break and we'll see what happens if they've gambled correctly or not. And if they find Spock's brain. This is the silliest episode ever. (laughs) Okay, so they got to the, the place. They met a morgue. Right. Which were... Big, goofy-looking, hermity guys. Uh-huh. And now they've met the eye morgue. The eye morgue. Which are women. Yeah. And they went down in the elevator from uh, Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> and they... Kirk said, Spock spraying twice. <laughs> and my favorite part about this particular segment of the episode is that when the um, eye morgue stunned them so they all fall over... McCoy and Kirk sort of bump into each other, but, you know, not to ruin the take. They're real professionals. They just fall down. And so their little heads are together. They look so cute. Like little sleeping angels. So we were speculating that I think um, Leonard must have alternately loved and hated this episode. <laughs> loved it because he only had to act in voiceover form. Like, you know, he didn't have to get into full makeup to do the voiceovers. Right. But hated it because he had to walk around in that garage worker uniform. With the hat. With the hat the whole time. <laughs> totally expressionless. Oh, man. What a stupid show. Oh, yeah. And then we, we get the, the woman. We haven't gotten the line yet. No. 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 It's coming, I think, in the next segment. I think so, too. You are not Morg. You are not I, Morg. <laughs> what are you? We did get that the women are the givers of pain and delight. Delight, yes. We Kirk know that. found that quite intriguing. And then there's the scene coming up where he says, every nerve in my body <laughs> was on fire. <laughs> oh, this was written by somebody at FanLib. I just wanted to point out, in the, Kirk and company go down in the elevator from Disneyland, and then he leaves Chekhov outside with the security detail to sort of watch stuff. And as soon as he's gone, Chekhov's like, all right, I'm in charge now. Oh, it's back on. <gasps> okay, okay, pause. Here we go. Brain and brain. What, what is brain? What a classic line. Really? I'm so glad we got to see it. And the way she says it, too, is really good. She <laughs> practically stamps her foot. when Yeah, she she's says, very petulant. Brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> And they said Spock's brain about 17 more times. And everybody got a chance to say it. Um, Sulu said it, Mm -hmm. Scotty, McCoy. It was like a contest to see how many times they could say Spock's brain. Right. Which they did. So um, this was the portion where they wake up and they have the uh, little belts on them that help control them. With pain With pain and delight. And the thing that I want to know is... You know, they, they just go through this scene where they were battling with the, the big, strong guys to get their communicators and tricorders back, and phasers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they take the belts off? Why didn't they cut them off? That's what I would have done. Well, I, I don't know, but I'm sure Kirk has a really good reason for doing things the way he does, That's because true. he's a goddamn captain. He is the goddamn captain. So, um, up to this point, they've now made communicator contact with Spock, who doesn't seem to realize that he's a brain in a jar. <laughs> And they played 20 questions with him. Uh-huh. Kirk practically asked him, are you animal, vegetable, or mineral? <laughs> right. But what I want to know is, okay, the voice of the brain in the jar, mm-hmm. it doesn't have Spock's voice box mm-hmm. or lips or anything but else. It sounds like him anyway. It sounds it's exactly still Leonard like Nimoy. him. It's still Leonard. Well, you know, he wanted people to be able to recognize that it was him no matter what. So is being a brain in a box um, a conquered media? 
Well, I'm trying to think. On on uh, Futurama, they both got to be heads in a jar, didn't they? Yes. So there's that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But everybody got to do that except uh, Scotchy. <laughs> That's right. Walter was on. Oh, we're back. We're back. I still don't understand why Spock ticks when he walks. <laughs> He's a clockwork Spock. That's what he is. <gasps> That's great. Clockwork wind, Spock. Wind up Spock. He might be a time bomb, though, who's going to go off if they don't get the brain back. He yet. could be a Geiger counter. Yeah. That, too. Yeah. Um, okay, the last five seconds of, of this segment. She whipped a phaser out of her pussy. Yeah. And Kirk got so scared <laughs> that he did his Bill the Cat expression. <laughs> he did. I mean, you think they would have frisked her for weapons at that point. They don't think of these things. But also, when they were in pain and rolling around on the floor, Kirk got hold of the Clockwork Spock controller. Uh-huh. And with just three buttons, had Spock dancing to his tune. Oh, man. Imagine what he could do with a Wii. He, he's amazing. <sighs> just amazing. But that's why he's the goddamn captain. Of course. That's why he did it. So... Um, at this point, they found Spock's brain in, a, in its jar, mm-hmm. and they uh, they took the, the head priestess lady, the brain and brain, what is brain lady, and they put her under the teachy thing. Now she's smart, and that's when she decided to whip out the phaser. Yes. Now, she's not going to help them. Here's the thing. This is a crap episode, right? Mm-hmm. We understand that. I think, though, that the teacher is fantastic. I've always found that to be a completely intriguing device mm-hmm. that the old ones stored all their knowledge in mm-hmm. this. And so you could access it at any time, no matter how stupid you were. Mm-hmm. You could learn this one specific thing. And it would go, and you would know it for as long as you needed to, essentially. And yeah. all the knowledge would kind of drain away yeah. from your brain. I thought the teacher was great. It is. It's a cool concept. I'm kind of wondering why the women are dressed like that is the thing. Because they're on Star Trek. <laughs> okay. That's a good answer. <laughs> That's fine. I, I'm willing to accept that answer. Um, what because else? when women are just hanging around and it's just them, uh-huh. they don't wear their their comfortable clothes. <laughs> right. Well, it's like you and me. We're always. Oh. <laughs> that was such a crappy episode. But it ended with a jolly laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in case you were wondering what happened, they they put his brain back. Yes. Through a miraculous surgery. That didn't even muss his hair. It was amazing. And Spock was awake through it and telling McCoy how to hook up his fingers and his elbow. And Shatner was cracking (laughs) up. You know, credit to the cast here for not cracking up throughout this episode. You know, Mm -hmm. they did a job. They went in. They acted. They mouthed these stupid lines. And they managed to keep a straight face pretty much throughout. Right, right. Oh, my God. What a dumb episode. Totally dumb. <laughs> totally, totally dumb. So uh, what I was going to say before, um, uh, we were interrupted because the show came back on. We yes. were expecting it. The one thing was that earlier in the episode when um, Kirk leaves Chekhov in charge of the security guards, as soon as he's gone, Chekhov immediately tries to show he's in charge, and he says, I'm not going to do his accent. Well, we could be here for a while. Might as well get comfortable. And he whips his phaser off, and he points it at a rock, and he makes this big gesture. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> And then he whips it back and he slaps it back on the Velcro thing on his leg. Yeah. Like, oh, you big show What a jerk. What a jerk. And then also I noticed that uh, when when the head lady that I can't remember what her name is, 
Kira or something. Kira. Is it Kira? I think so. Um, when she goes under the, the, the teacher helmet thing, mm-hmm. when she comes out of it, um, she talks like Spock. She talks really... <laughs> actually, she talks like Data. She talks yes. really emotionlessly and with no contractions. Mm-hmm. So I guess when you get the teacher on you, you lose your contractions. I guess. Well... You know, small price to pay. Yeah, I suppose. So in the middle of the surgery, when McCoy was forgetting how to do it, mm-hmm. why didn't they just slap the teacher on him again? I don't know. Actually, I do know. There's a piece that's been cut out of this episode where they explain why they can't do it again. Oh. Yeah, it's a syndication cut. There's there's an explanation for why he can't. Like, oh, so his, they can only do it once. They can only do it once because, as they said, his brain was different from the alien's brain. And, yeah, there was an explanation, but when watching it like this, of course, that's the first thing to right, think of. Right, right. Uh, I'm trying to remember if there was anything else cut out of it, but I'm pretty sure that was it. I think they're, oh, Kara, not, oh, okay. not Kira, Kara. They're showing the credits now. Um, <laughs> then they're showing Kirk as a Romulan. Let's see, what else? The music was really bad, and the background sound effects were turned up way too loud. Yes. That's from Spectre of the Gun. They're showing part of the set. I don't even remember what these end credits look like. There's a, a battleship, a mm-hmm. battle cruiser. Um, the only um, redone effects were like ship effects. Yeah, I was yeah. surprised that there wasn't anything else. Um, you know, it was cleaned up looking. Mm-hmm. But McCoy. Oh, he looked bad. He really looked bad. I wonder but, if he had the flu or something. Well, or and we're also at third season where they quit caring about lighting and things like that. And hair and makeup and we're spraying cooking oil in their hair to style it. <laughs> Instead. And, and producing things like um, Spock's brain. Yeah, and, you know, as we noticed, there was one completely irrelevant scene on the ship where Sulu was doing a, a supplemental captain's log entry, which had no purpose whatsoever. And I think that there must have been more to that, but, again, it was lost in a syndication cut. I think, you know, they, they had, like, this contest going, you know, who can say Spock's brain <laughs> without cracking up? And that was Sulu's chance, because he had to say they're down on the planet trying to retrieve Spock's brain. brain. Even um, everybody got to say Spock's brain, and... I don't think Uhura said it. Maybe. Spock didn't say Spock's brain. No, no. He probably said my brain. We should, if we ever watched, or maybe somebody can do this for us. <laughs> Count the number of times the phrase Spock's brain is actually in this episode. Right. That would be a right. good thing. It would be a good trivia question. Because in uh, in most episodes, they never even use the the name of the episode mm-hmm. in dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's rare. Yeah. But this, this one, definitely. <laughs> All over the place. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that was fun. I'm glad we watched it. Well, yeah. Was that it? That was the end of your thought? Well, no. I was just going to uh, reiterate about um, our plan that when they remaster the hippie one, we are going to have to watch it. Yeah. Which will be pretty painful. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of our duty. Yeah. It's our job. I think so. Well, this was good. This was fun doing it. Okay. So that was our color commentary. Color commentary on Spotify. Bill um, uh, was slim, butly. Oh, he looked great. Yes. He was doing that aggressive questioning thing that he does in some episodes mm-hmm. when he was trying to, to get the, the lady to tell him what he needed to know. Oh, the old oh, great leader thing was fantastic. That was really funny. He gets down on his knees. In yeah. front of well, him. he more or less falls <laughs> to his knees. He doesn't get down on his knees. He just, he hits the floor and, you know, and he has his arms up in that sort of Kirok pose. I know. And she sees through it immediately, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she's supposed to be stupid. 
Another thing we found is that McCoy's medical tricorder does uh, IQ readings. I know. That was pretty impressive. Boy. And I have to say, we've totally been corrupted by Eddie Izzard because we were doing those jokes throughout. <laughs> Set your phasers on a limp. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> to Gary. Well done. Well done. I think we've babbled enough about this particular show. Yes, we have. All right, so we'll take a, a musical break, and then we'll be back with one more thing. All righty. Cue the music. Deeply, 
and turned towards the captain with red eyes and grinned Ooh, with his fangs. His fangs. Hello, Captain. How are you? Are you ready to die? <laughs> it's like a James Bond villain. Are you ready to die, Mr. Bond? Spock, are you feeling okay? <laughs> That's what I would say. Uh-huh. That would be my response. I'm just fine. I'm just showing what I am, Spock growled. Worry Jim, there's no comment there. Uh, He's worried Jim. Worry Jim. Worry Jim. TM. Walks over to his chair to contact sick bay. Oh, well, we're back in the present. Bridge to sick bay. Sick bay, McCoy here. Bones, get up here now. It's Spock. His eyes are red and his acting strange. His acting his is acting strange. strange. On my way. Okay, now we got a whole paragraph here. All of those Ooh, were single sentence paragraphs okay. up till now. Spock lunged towards Jim and stretched his arm and grabbed Jim by his neck and strangled him. <laughs> While security tried to shoot Spock with the phaser on stun, but he snatched it up and crumbled it up. Only one phaser, huh? (laughs) McCoy arrived with his hypo and tried to put it into Spock's arm, but Spock knocked him off his feet and let go of the captain. Then he went towards the doctor and kicked him in the side. (laughs) Scotty tried to pull Spock down, but Spock nerve-pinched him. Sulu and Chekhov tried to double-team on Spock. Ooh. But Spock took their heads and smashed them together. <laughs> like eggs. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of taking of heads in this little story. He just, they went like this. He grabbed them both and went, pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> then he picked up a phaser and set it on kill. Uhura tried to contact Starfleet, but Spock had already disconnected the comma commutations. <laughs> the commutations. Wow. Yes. He unplugged No commuting. It. He just like pulled the plug. Spock was about to shoot Kirk. Then his head aches, so he drops the phaser and clutches his head and shakes his head violently, trying to stay in control. Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> ah! Spock screamed and passed out into darkness. Ooh, like not on the ship. He went outside <laughs> left, where you can hear the, the, the crickets. Spock awoke later in sickbay and saw the worried faces of Jim and Dr. McCoy. Those disembodied faces are so damn scary. Especially when they're worried. Spock, are you okay now? Bones asked. When the doctor's asking you, this tells you he didn't graduate. Now, I'm afraid I do not know what you're talking about. I mean, you weren't yourself. Don't you remember, Jim explained. You were Mr. Christine Chapel. <laughs> I don't remember, Spock tried to say. <laughs> so what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> you went crazy on us, and you come to tell us you don't remember, Bones yelled. Bones, don't be hard on him, Jim asked. <laughs> Captain, whatever happened, I apologize for my behavior, Spock said calmly. Spock. What happened in your mind? Jim asked. Please tell us. We can help. Now we get another whole paragraph. All right, but you cannot tell Christine. I'll tell her myself. Okay. Spock sighed. When I was turned into a vampire, my mind was corrupted, creating this darker vampire side of me. We're going to have to reformat his mind. It's corrupted. It wants to kill and feed. Also, my thirst for flesh and blood is growing stronger, and it's getting hard resist it. 
And when it happens, you may not be able to kill me before I kill you. Captain, I want you to lock me away. I do not wish to kill, but I may not be able to control my other side. Please help me. Spock almost begged. Wow. It's like he tried to say. <laughs> Jim and Bones looked at him and sighed. Jim walked to Spock and put his hand on his shoulder. Spock, we will help you. That is what friends are for. Aww. Right, Bones? Aww. Yeah. I'll set up a room for you, but maybe we'll find a way to defeat this thing. Bones sighed. <sighs> Kirk got up and clapped his hands. <laughs> All right, men, let's get to work. But that's the end. Oh, that's how it ends? There's, if she hasn't written more, here's the author note. Fast update. Thanks to my reviewers who enjoyed my sequel. I like to get to five reviews. That'll be nice. If not, then I'll update anyway. Now here it says reviews and comments, none. But let's see if there were reviews and comments on part one. I never did check that. Should we add a comment? I don't I, uh, We should set up a, um, uh, a bogus account on FanLib just for this sort of thing. <laughs> and we could call it, you know... Um, who are we calling ourselves when we were writing those monkey stories? T Monkey Lover. T Monkey Lover? Lover? Let's set up an account for T Monkey Lover at FanLib. Okay. It must be pretty easy to do, right? Okay, wait a minute. Fanlib. I'm trying to find com. to see if there's a comment. Married on a full moon. No comment. Aww. No comments. Oh. So, well, maybe this is another thing our listeners, Jennifer, oh, could finish. There you go. What she did such a wonderful job with Spock's hot date. I are w- you guys going to let Jennifer be the the completer of stories, or are you going to get in the spirit and write what happens to Mary down a full moon? I would much rather have one of our listeners' versions of the end of this story than the actual author version of the end of this story. I think there's much more possibility. So there you go. That's your homework. That's your homework. We haven't assigned homework for a while, and I think it's time. I I think it's time too. And um, bonus points if Christine dies. And extra bonus points if you mention um, pale blue French cut panties, peach bubble bath, peeps, um, anything else you want in there? I want Spock to wear the panties. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Okay. Great. Well, I think that wraps up this action-packed episode. It has been action-packed. It has been. Um, so next time around, we'll have even more stuff because Bill is always doing stuff. And we're always talking about it. Yeah. And so um, I think we're going to have either some movies or some episodes next time. Or both. Or both. So do your homework. Don't forget. 